0: On this episode.
1: Through the pandemic time there weren't answers. No one knew anything. We you know, I've called lawmakers all the time and I was like, Oh my goodness, this is just right what a mess and so that's all folks really needed was hey, we're here for you. Today is awful, maybe tomorrow's better, and I think an action item of asking people, well, you know, there's not a lot we can do but you can go out and support a small business by getting tacos to go (laughs) or getting a burger to go at little bar whatever it might be and that gave people a little bit of a sense of, of purpose and also a little control maybe
0: recorded live in the corner booth at the center of the coachella valley universe this is big conversations little bar now your hosts patrick evans and randy florence
2: we want to welcome you to another edition of Big Conversations Little Bar, taped live at the center of the Coachella Valley universe. That is Skip Page's Little Bar in Palm Desert, California. I'm Patrick Evans, and I'm joined by my weekly co-host, Mr. Randy Flores.
0: I'm so glad to be here. As we record this, you almost died last week.
2: <laughs> I think that's a, a bit of an exaggeration. Is it too much? It was a little yeah, a, stretch? A, yeah.
0: All right. I'm so glad you're healthy. Thank you. <laughs> and I'm so yes. glad you're sitting at a distance from me.
2: Well... Uh, Yes, but I save special things for you. I have all these masks that I wore during my period of COVID. Um, Yeah, no, but I'm much better now, so it's good.
0: I'm glad, because not sitting here for a week next to you was a drag.
2: I was lonely, but I was isolating, so as my wife said, I was trying to avoid her. I was like you and everybody else, the whole planet, sweetheart. It's not just you.
0: Hey, let's get into the show.
2: Uh, Well, introduce. we have two guests today.
0: That must mean it's going to be twice as good as most of our shows. Agreed. Right? Do you agree?
3: Yes, it's happening.
0: Good. Then I'm going to introduce our (laughs) guests because I'm really excited about this because these are not only fantastic people in the desert, but they're really close friends of mine. Well, I consider you close (laughs) friends. You can let me know how you guys feel. It was weird because both of
2: them introduced (laughs) themselves to you like they'd never met you, but that's beside the point.
0: They got really quiet and turned their heads when I said that. (laughs) <laughs> First person over here, Katie Stice is the President-CEO of the Rancho Mirage Chamber of Commerce.
1: Yes, hello.
3: Welcome,
0: Katie. Thank you my for having good me. Good old on. friend.
3: That's right.
0: My other great old friend. Oh, great. Cindy Burrison, CEO of the Children's Discovery Museum of the Desert. Yes. Welcome. Sir. Thank you. But a couple of other things. Mm-hmm. Katie Stice, is it true that you were the 2022 Best of the Desert Person of the Year?
1: yes i don't know how that happened um i haven't seen a free cup of coffee or sushi or anything like that that came along with it and no, i'm just kidding what it was
2: <laughs> that should if you walk in there should be immediately a free cup of coffee I didn't get a sign. and a california because
0: uh. a lot of people who didn't win it they did get that stuff
1: oh, <laughs> oh that's what i heard um yeah really oh, honestly super overwhelming really nice um honor uh Kind of awkward it's strange um but yeah it was really sweet
0: well we're going to talk more about it because both of you ladies to a large degree kept this valley going over the last two or three years and i want to thank you for that um cindy i've got you down the 2021 awarded the 2021 Coachella Valley Above and Beyond Honoree. That's
3: right. I guess so. That is <laughs> Am true. I telling you this for the first time? <laughs> no, you are
0: correct. <laughs> oh, good, there's a trophy that goes with it.
2: That is presented by the Angel Light Academy. That yes, right? yes.
0: Congratulations. Thank you.
3: That was a big honor.
0: Yeah, This is you, you two really kept this valley going during COVID and during some of the stuff that were coming out of it. So personally, again, I want to thank you for that. But we want to go back and kind of talk about... <laughs> how you got to that point and why you stayed once you got to that point. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, Katie, how about you? When did you come to the desert?
1: Uh, About 30 years ago, actually, from San Diego. And right when I came out, I thought, I can't live here. This is not, you know, when you come from San Diego, and I was in high school, I thought, as soon as I can leave, I will. And this place is, you know, has nothing for young people, and it's nothing for kids, and so I just did not like it. And, you know, you don't complain to my mother and that's what i did (laughs) and i said mom this place is awful i'm out of here there's nothing for kids to do and she kind of gently tugged me and she said well why don't you go do something about that then and i thought oh okay (laughs) just open a can of worms but um got really involved in the community straight away and out here in the desert i think we've all learned once you get involved in the community you're just it's a magnet And it's a really special place and so started volunteering at the YMCA and did their surf camps and the three walled cabin camps up at Camp Oaks and all of that and eventually worked at the Children's Discovery Museum for about eight years and and I thought I'll get into the chamber world for a year or so and kind of figure out what I really want to do and been in this industry now for 16 years
2: and have you figured out what you really want to do nope. yet no still <laughs> still working on but it.
1: this podcasting thing seems pretty cool so it's, it's
2: very pretty clearly it's, it's really lucrative i will tell you yeah. that
1: tell oh you yeah that. i've heard yeah.
2: randy I mean, has been skimming a lot of money off the top of
1: this thing.
0: <laughs> for limited skill sets months. has carried me quite a long way yeah. with this podcast what what um when you first got involved in doing some of the community stuff yeah. what Talk about the first things that you got involved in and the immediate feedback that came back to you that made you want to keep going further.
1: Yeah, I mean, I had just, I think people around me pushing me. And so, uh, like, we were just talking before we went on air about Leadership Coachella Valley. And funny enough, I was at the Children's Museum, got a scholarship from the Rancho Mirage Chamber to be in Leadership Coachella Valley. But I just had this kind of network of people around me pushing me. You know, you should really get involved. You should really put yourself out there. And I did all the things before I was ready. It was like uh, we talk about stretch zones or getting out of your comfort zone. And it was like just make the steps forward and there were always people in this valley what i found everyone is there to support you everyone wants to see you shine and so um, that group of people that network has always been my rock and helped propel me forward (laughs) yeah
0: how about you cindy where'd you come from
3: well i moved here from orange county and my story is a little different because i was semi-adult at that time and my now husband and i had a condo out here and we'd come out on the weekends and we loved it We were the opposite. We thought it was great. (laughs) There was no traffic. It was not stressful. And so we really came out here on the weekends and just decided, you know, we're in the midst of, like, no career path, no family yet. Like, let's move there and just enjoy the great life. So we did. And we haven't looked back. And now we're raising our family here. We love it.
2: But before you go on, tell people... How you met your husband because there's a really funny story.
3: Yeah, Patrick likes this story. So I met him at work, actually, and I had the major hots for him. Like, major hots. She still does. Yeah, I still do. He's he's smoking hot.
0: Thunder down under?
3: No, that's not where I met him. Oh, okay. later. Well, Randy, you've made it awkward very early in the show.
0: <laughs> Usually I wait a little late.
3: But we know each other, so... Yeah, we do. Um, so I met him at work, and second day I was there I was like I gotta get this guy's attention so I wore this like skin tight suit and it was maybe zipped a little too low and I (laughs) had maybe too high of heels on and he was on the phone and I walked past (laughs) his office and I fell right on my backside with all four limbs up in the air and he put the phone to the side and he's like are you okay? And I was like, yeah, sure am. So I always tell them, I fell for you right away. (laughs) Literally. That's cute. I love that story. Where were you working? We were at a vitamin company in Irvine. And so you guys moved out to the
2: desert, and this was before the kids, and now you have three kids, right? Two kids. Two kids. Yeah. Well, you should
3: have another one, uh, (laughs) so that my count is right. I'll Um, let them know. (laughs) (laughs) Were you born in Orange County? No, I was born in Whittier. And then lived in Diamond Bars, where I grew up, which nobody really knows where that is. But It is where the
2: Air Quality Management District that is. That is
3: correct. That is correct. Very good. And well, then I then need to, to have Orange a conversation County. <laughs> with them. Yeah, you yeah. should. <laughs> 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 and then moved to Orange County as soon as I could get out of there so that I could be by the beach.
0: How long have you been married now?
3: Um, since 2006. I'm not good at math. <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> 17 years. <laughs> we usually
0: don't ask a lot of
3: math <laughs> yeah, on here. Thanks. <laughs> But yeah, we've been married for a long time. And
2: so what was the first gig you got when you guys came out here and you were looking for, where like you said, there were really no concrete career plans. What was the first thing that you did that kind of looped you into the desert?
3: So I was here first, and so I started working two jobs. I worked at Fleming's Steakhouse at the River, and I started working at Tommy Bahamas Restaurant and that's what really propelled me in the community because I was there for 8 years in the restaurant and the general manager for whatever reason saw a spark in me and he elevated me through the system I became a restaurant manager and their sales manager and he's like you need to be the face of the restaurant you need to be out in the community instead of me and i was like okay so he put me in leadership Coachella Valley also mm-hmm. and i got a scholarship for that too and i met a girl in leadership Coachella Valley and she opened up her calendar and i was like those are all the places that you're going this month and she said yeah and i'm like well how do you do that how do i get involved in that many things and i thought to myself one of these days my calendar is going to look like that and now it does (laughs) but i thought that was so great that she was super involved in philanthropic work and networking opportunities and just all of these things so
2: and so so how did you two meet how did you and katie become such close friends
1: through chambers yeah yeah the chamber yeah how long did
0: it take before you liked each other
1: Uh, it's still, we're still kind (laughs) of you're working on that.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I think right away, I think so too. There were a couple
2: of elbows thrown before (laughs) (laughs) this,
3: we had to make sure. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think right away. I mean, I think we both have pretty similar personalities and um, super positive. Yeah, want to be involved,
1: want to help. Exactly. Yeah,
3: what
0: is it about whatever growing up you guys did, Mm. assuming you Mm -hmm. did? Mm -hmm. what is it about the way you grew up that allowed you to be the people that you've been over these last and for your whole life but particularly over these last few years when it would have really been easy to kind of sink down a little bit into some of the troubles that we were having here in the valley but you guys never did that what is it Katie in your bringing up that made you get that kind of person
1: wow that's a really good question um You know, I think we both have had some really serious hardships with um, family, with maybe bad relationships. Um, I know I had a little bit of a tougher upbringing. I was a latchkey kid, super independent. um, And I do think that's helped me, but I also am cautious of not being, try not to be too independent. Um, But I would have to say, too, like, through all the hardships and maybe family fights, I mean, we were in a, um, a battered women's shelter over my 15th birthday growing up with wow. my sisters and. Oh, wow. But How many sisters? Uh, I have two sisters. Mm-hmm. And um, but you know what was so interesting was i mean, again I'm gonna go back to my mom, such a strong woman. You know, it's very easy to. Be a 15 year old going to school with you know borrowed clothes and stuff and really feeling sorry for yourself and you're in this horrible situation but i think we actually looked at it so differently and we thought thank god there's these people here caring for us we have a place to go we're totally safe And the miracle in all of it is that we've stopped the cycle of violence. And so I think we've just been blessed with really loving people around us to help us through all these hard times. And I think that that, um, if you have uh, make that a purpose in your life and don't kind of look at it as like, I've been a victim, but I'm a survivor. And if you look at it as um, I can use this as a tool to help me in the future, to learn to help other people to realize how important that is. So I feel like I think we're both probably going to say some of the same things, but I think that's why I give back, too. I think it really matters to someone, right, because it mattered to me. So taking those types of things really seriously and not taking things for granted and, you know, the relationships are important. Um,
0: And did you have experiences where uh, people reached out to you, people helped your family?
1: Definitely, yeah, I mean, strangers, there were all kinds of people, and so you had to kind of get really humble, and yeah. and then to be able to, you know, my mom watches where I am now, and she's just like, I don't know, you know, she a total homebody, and so watching me kind of flourish in the community, I mean, she's That's just be
0: crazy. so
1: proud, and like, what, well, person of the year, what, you know, um, so it's really cool to see, and, and I get to give her credit for, like, being such a strong woman, and... Uh, teaching us, you know, to, to go to church and embrace, you know, the Bible and to embrace community and, and, and live who you are out loud, you know, it's been fun. And I mean, it's scary, though. We put ourselves, I think, out there a lot.
0: You do, both of you. In the
1: community. And it's scary. Like you mentioned the pandemic and during that time. I talked a lot in the community. We were on, I think I did a live video almost every day. And um, it was a little scary because I thought, man, if I say the wrong thing, and you know because you're on TV all the time, if you say the wrong thing, do you get canceled, you know, or do you, are people going to come at me for, you know, doing this, doing that, not saying this? And I thought if I can just show up with an open mind and open heart and just be real and not have the answers. People didn't necessarily expect me to know things. Uh, I feel like they knew things already. But if I could just show up for folks and have honest conversations, then, then maybe I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. If the business community is suffering and I'm supposed to be the head of the business community, then I need to show up and do what I can and say what I can and do it with loving care. Yeah. Well, and one so of the things came through.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things I really appreciate about what you were doing throughout the pandemic and post pandemic, you're such a great cheerleader for people. Thanks. You're always providing an uplifting message and it wasn't about providing answers or yeah. necessarily immediate solutions, but just yeah. support
1: yes sure. and at the end of the day that's what people really just needed because you know through the pandemic time there weren't answers no one knew anything we you know i've called lawmakers all the time and i was like oh my goodness this is just right what a mess and so that's all folks really needed was hey we're here for you today is awful maybe tomorrow's better and i think an action item of asking people well you know There's not a lot we can do, but you can go out and support a small business by getting tacos to go (laughs) or getting a burger to go at Little Bot, whatever it might be. And that gave people a little bit of a sense of of purpose and also a little control, maybe.
0: I want to get back to that in a minute, but but how about you, Cindy? Where did that come from in you?
3: So I think the same thing. I mean, I was raised single mom, latchkey kid also, oldest sibling, so I kind of took care of my sister and made the things in the crock pot and made sure the house didn't catch on fire. And then same thing, I was, I was the battered woman in a relationship for five years. And so having gone through that, there was a turning point in my life that um, I share often, and I'll share it in a nutshell, that I was in a beauty pageant at a time in my life where I felt the ugliest and the stupidest and what have you. But I went through it and I ended up winning, much to my surprise. But the turning point in my life was when the judge asked me afterwards, do you know why you won? And I said, I have no idea. And she said, because you weren't being a beauty queen, you were just being yourself. And that was the moment for me that I'm like, that's all I have to be in life. And Mm -hmm. so even now, I don't look at that as, I never look at it as I was a victim. I look at it as it was part of my story. It doesn't. Part
0: um, of the curriculum. Part
3: of the curriculum. It doesn't define who I am, but it helps me to help other people hopefully find their happily ever after, because I certainly did. And I always am just me. I mean, I'm probably too much for some people. I'm probably too annoying with the positivity, but I don't care because that's who I am. And I think being true to yourself is really, people see that you're genuine and, and that's it, you're and genuine. And
0: that's the way mm-hmm. it comes across, mm-hmm. you know, from us out here looking yeah. at you two, that's how it comes across. Cindy, you, you, um, you decided to do something really smart. and take over the Children's Discovery Museum (laughs) when it was shut down.
3: (laughs) Yeah, that was fun. (laughs) So talk
0: a little bit about that experience over the last few years. I mean, this is in your heart. It is. So what's it been like every day having to try to put this thing together? You and I talked a lot about stuff like fundraising and stuff like that. We did.
3: I think that, I mean, I have to give um, props to the board of directors. They're the ones that selected me. I just sort of threw it out there like I'd be a great candidate and I'll make it happen. I'll make it, you know, make it so. I'll fundraise and whatever. And they had the faith in me. I think because of the connections and the community um, efforts that I had made in the past, they knew I wasn't just blowing smoke. So for me, I'm a mom. We have literally, I tell people all the time when I present, we have hundreds and hundreds of photos of our kids at the Children's Discovery Museum. So when I heard that there was potential that was going to close indefinitely, I was like, I mean, that just can't happen. It's such a gem for the desert. It's an economic driver for the desert and our littles need this place and we needed this place. I mean, as a family, we have so many great memories there. And so I really want to make sure that other fa- every family has that opportunity to interact and to make these memories and have hundreds of pictures. So on the daily, it's just like, it's just the grind. I mean, there's four of us on the staff right now. We're working on a reverse timeline to reopen in March. And we just are checking off all the boxes of things we have to do between now and then. And and I love it. And I know that I, I work really hard. I work sometimes long hours and what have you. But it's in my heart for sure. And I I never take it for granted either. was there
0: ever any, any doubt during the early no, times
3: never and that's what my husband always says <coughs> my hot husband um, he always says if you hadn't stepped up what would have happened who would have done it wow and i'm like i, I don't know it's mm-hmm. a good question somebody would have yeah. he's like i don't think so
2: it is an enormous need and i, I mentioned this before we started uh, recording but uh angela chin who i work with as our morning anchor. She has a, a very young child. He's about Logan's a little over one-year-old. Uh, she is champing the bit to be able to take him to the museum. There are there are limited things for especially really young kids, and it's going to be such a great opportunity. Absolutely. And I do think, and I wholeheartedly support you inviting Angela to serve <laughs> on your board because she needs more things to do.
3: Duly noted. And, and,
2: and I really think she'd be excellent at it. She's she's a go-getter, uh, and I know nice. that she's told me that she no absolutely doesn't want to do it. So that's why I think you need to ask her and really lean on her.
3: I like a challenge. Emailing yeah. her right now.
2: Yeah, let's. We should call her. Can we get her on the line, tonight? <laughs> Bring her on. Open line
3: podcast.
2: Now, it, but it is. It's, it is. You know, and, and uh, uh, my wife. Uh, prior to us meeting she had two kids from her previous marriage and she would come out to the desert a lot Uh, and the the living desert and the children's discovery museum were really the two touchstones for her it was really an important place for her to take these you know the kids like what what else can I do Mm -hmm. and so it's it's such a vital need and I'm so glad that you guys are working so diligently to getting it back Uh, On Track is a great attraction for the families of the Coachella Valley.
1: It's a really remarkable space, and what it does for families is that memory-making machine, um, but it also... You were
2: there for how many, eight years?
1: About eight years. Mm -hmm. And what it does that's also just so important is, you know, as schools do less and less in the way of art or music, um, just self-discovery, creativity, all of that, that's where the museum just opens up a whole new world, and it's you watch family units experience this together, which is just so much fun and it's needed it's necessary it's not an option it's every community needs to have a place for families to go and explore and just have fun and be kids there's um, something called the collapsed world of the child where like kids have to grow up so fast right now and kind of like I was saying some of my experiences that I went through and so at the museum kids can just be kids enjoy ice cream Eat, play, be merry.
0: And unlike a lot of geographies, those kids who meet at the Discovery Museum might end up being friends and sitting across from each other 30 years later doing something in this community.
2: That's right. Um, It also has, there's another aspect in which, and I have helped with fundraisers in years previous with the museum, but what I loved about it is it also, and we have a lot of philanthropic organizations throughout the Coachella Valley, but at the time, and this is prior to COVID and the shutdown, but you had a lot of younger family members as board members. It invited a younger group of people to get involved philanthropically mm-hmm. to help head an organization and, and do that fundraising, which is really important because our Valley thrives on those organizations. And a lot of the leaders are are more seniors. So it's good to get younger people involved in philanthropic organizations while their kids
1: are young. Absolutely. Yeah. And part of that too, I'm sure you'll speak to this is that the giver is changing, and you have to really pay attention to who's giving now and how they're giving and what's important to them, because it is a little bit different than, you know, when I was there, the, the, the Betty Barkers who are, just have been instrumental in so many things, you know, there's a different... Um, uh, generation that's coming up and giving to their communities and so finding out what's important to them and giving them opportunities to give and finding out what matters is really important.
0: You know we've talked about, the, this has been mentioned a few times, um, Leadership Coachella Valley. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really important organization in this town and frankly if I hadn't gotten involved I would not be sitting here because I wouldn't have known any of you people. Talk a little bit about what it's done for you and, and why you think it needs to be Grow and be a more important organization for the community.
1: Sure. So, (laughs) Um, I was in the first class. (laughs) Or not? (laughs) Old lady. Old lady. Oh, that was
0: two thousand and one, wasn't it?
1: Oh my god! So I. uh, I don't know, kind of a funny story. Um, so you're seven. It, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, very good. Um, yeah, my uh, team at the museum said, you really need to go get a part, be a part of this leadership Coachella Valley. We can see you doing it. It's going to be great for you. And um, got the scholarship, and I was terrified. It was kind of like, what do they call it, imposter syndrome, where I just thought, what am I doing here? All these people are so important. And I don't, uh, you know, and so I did not really even speak in my class, which I know is hard to understand. I didn't either. I didn't? No. Well, my we're so alike. I know. Are you guys sure you
0: were in <laughs> leadership?
1: <laughs> uh,
0: Was there a priest up front? <laughs>
1: But here is the coolest thing that I just loved, and I will never, ever forget. Um, even though I hardly talked in class, I tried to absorb as much as I could. I took it really seriously, like pages and pages and pages of notes. Um, side note, when the chamber said, come give us a report. You know, we gave you a scholarship. We'd love to know what you're learning. It was like three pages that I re- read to their board. <laughs> On day one, I learned about. But um, here, <laughs> here's the best thing was... Um, I really felt the sense of belonging and I think at the end of the day we all want to feel like we belong. And so what I noticed through going through the program and I learned so much like you said and and met so many people. I learned that I belonged, and so when I was out at events or out in the community, like I went through with Pedro Rincon as an example, and when I would see him, he'd be like, she's with us, that's Katie, she's with us, and I thought, I had never really felt that before, and so I just thought, that's what makes leadership special, in addition to all the other great things that you learn, and I still keep in touch with my classmates 23 years later, Lee Goodsell, yeah, it's been lovely, so now I'm on the board, and helping them to... Uh, I think turn a little bit of a corner. I think it's been hard with our administrators at different chambers. Um, Evan at Palm Springs Chamber does amazing, amazing work. Um, He's really helped us turn a corner. And I think that, like what you said, uh, uh, keeping the alumni engaged is the next step. Um, Getting more creative um, is the next step, and that's happening right now.
0: Well, it's important for the people who are considering it now to see where the Cindy Burrisons and the Katie Stice Mm -hmm. have come through as they've come out of that program. How about your experience with it?
3: So mine was a little different, I think. Because you hated I was it. No, I didn't hate it. I actually really loved the educational component, and I loved, I didn't grow up here, so I didn't know about the valley, and that was the biggest learning lesson for me was about, you know, going to East Valley and seeing the unhoused and seeing the farm workers and then being able to go to um, the city council chambers and participate Wasn't in Wasn't that some, cool? Yeah, it was yeah. so great, and I had no idea about any of that, and the philanthropy and education and all of that. And I now am friends with a lot of people in my class, but I was just like Katie. I didn't speak. I didn't really interact with anyone. So I was kind of the shy girl. And I had a baby during my class, so I missed a class. So That
0: must have gotten in the way of the class.
3: class. <laughs> it wasn't during <laughs> oh, class, to be clear.
0: See, my class, we didn't have anything good like that. Hopefully that you're visiting Eisenhower
2: the day that happened.
3: <laughs> they didn't have a birthing center. Oh, that's time. right. <laughs>
0: Well, they do now. They
3: do, <laughs> but so for me, it was more about that learning about the valley and learning that I really liked it here even more. And then fast forward to my professional career and knowing a lot of the contacts and the places to go to reach people, having that list of all of the speakers and having their email addresses and their phone numbers, and being like, I really actually could call this person, you know. And I think that was really that's a crazy really, thing about this is.
0: geography, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah, you can. I could be sitting here next to. Patrick Evans right. doing a podcast. Right. In San Francisco, <laughs> I would have been thrown out of this. Are you still here? <laughs> <What>? <laughs> All right. I'm going to take us to a little bit of a dark place.
3: Ooh.
0: March of 2020. Mm. How long had you been with the Rancho Chamber by that time?
1: Just a little over a year. A year. Mm-hmm.
0: Talk about, <clears throat> yeah. now I certainly remember those days coming up. You know, yeah. I was on the... Uh, Safe running the safety committee for the Boys and Girls Club. So we're looking at stuff every single day CBAP we're looking at stuff every single day Talk about the days coming up just before we heard that the tennis tournament was shutting down What was the feeling and what were you kind of thinking you were you might have to start doing?
1: rough. Yeah, so an interesting thing was the chair of my board at the time uh, was Ken Wheat And he is now COO. I think he was CFO at Eisenhower. And so I had a lot of information coming our way. So he is a hero in my book, always will be, because he was not only at the center of the health crisis, but as my chair of the board, the center of the business crisis.
0: What a benefit (coughs) that had to have been.
1: It really was because we were just getting constant information as they knew it. Um, And that helped us, and interestingly enough, we had planned a um, a home expo that week um, over at the Omni, and we were just like, it's touch and go. It's got to be touch and go. We're not really sure if we can have it. So the day before I went to the Omni, it was all set up. You know, Bright Party Rentals had been there. They had set everything up. We were ready to go. I did a little live video, because that's what I do, (laughs) and said, we know, we're having this event tomorrow.
0: You look familiar. <laughs>
1: yes, yes. Live videos, yeah. Hello, that's me. Um, and then, yeah, the day before, he called and said, Katie, this is just getting out of control. Like, um, And we had a real serious conversation, and we just knew if we're, what, the Omni is, what, two miles away from Eisenhower, which is, like, the epicenter. It just was not responsible. It didn't look good. It didn't sound good, and we didn't want to endanger anyone. And so sending out that email was really hard but everyone understood I didn't get pushback you know um, there were already businesses pulling out saying up we're not allowing staff to go out in the community anymore and then the question became from my chair Katie if you serve the business community what are you gonna do Right. Honest conversation. Like if and of course, there had been
0: a lot of training for a pandemic <laughs> <Right>. for chamber <laughs> CEOs. <Yeah. laughs>
1: and I thought, that's a great question. And I said, um, which I still believe, you know, to this day, I was like, uh, I need to do whatever I can to help them every single day come back, whatever that looks like. And he said... You think you can do that? And I was like, um, I have no idea. But, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll give it our best shot. And so being able to work with him every step of the way and really see what was happening in the community. I learned so much about myself, about um, our community. There were times, again, when I would call lawmakers and... People would just talk in circles. There was no answer, but at least I would be able to call on behalf of our businesses and say, how do I explain to people that they have to be closed, But and they sell children's clothing, but Walmart can be open and sell children's clothing? And I'm not attacking anyone. I just need to know, what would you like me to tell them? Because they're devastated right now. Mm. Um, and so were you
0: getting the answers?
1: Uh, I would say no. No, it was really rough. and. and
2: I don't think those people had the answers. No. I mean, there were, there no. were conflicting policies or no. policies that didn't make sense that no. were impossible to explain.
1: And it was moving at, the, at a, such a fast pace that people didn't know. So what was nice to be able to realize, okay, we don't know, and so what can we do? What, how can we get creative in this moment? Um, can you go online? And so then it became, right, everyone was getting creative with things. And then for us, it became about, when we hear something, if the governor's speaking, I need to listen, I need to write bullet points, I need to get it out to my members as soon as possible, because they're so consumed with just trying to survive. That if I can take any link about a loan or a grant or any um, debrief of a governor's um, speech or, or any creative ways for them to maybe get back to business, then it became about working at the speed of life.
0: You kind of became the, the go-to person for information during that time. I don't know if you realize that, but a lot of times when I needed to know what was going on, I was checking what Katie was saying
1: wow thank yeah. you we we just thought if we can uh work as hard and as fast as we can right now because if you didn't you know for me it was like um man heartbreaking we would have a restaurant owner's hall like at eight o'clock at night i just told my husband there's no boundaries right now you're gonna have to just be okay with that um and it was hard to get the boundaries back by the way <laughs> it really it took like a mental i don't know mental shift but um they would just call at night and say crying what am i supposed to do i have to fire my whole staff right now and just sobbing and these are people we all know in the community and i'm like this was a lot like right i'm just you know i'm a During
0: boom times being that close to the community is yeah. really cool yes
1: yeah, what really you went intense. through
0: it's really to, hard
1: and i didn't really know, even know i'm still trying to figure out how to deal with all that stuff like I don't know these people are asking me and I'm supposed to have an answer but if you can just take a step back for a second and hear people and then walk them through they're so in such a state of panic that you can just say um, not just you can say you know, there's um, unemployment. There's things in place that are going to help people. It's going to be okay. We will figure it out together and make sure that they don't feel alone. Kind of going back to what you said before.
0: Fantastic job through that. Thank, Thank you. you. I
3: appreciate that. Cindy,
0: where were you in March of 2020?
3: Well, first, if I can just say. Oh please. Her, that it's because Katie is a trusted person pre-pandemic, so everybody knew Katie. Great everybody. Point trusted that she knew what she was talking about and she's kind of like the the sister or the friend that everybody wants and they really trusted her so when she said things they really took it seriously when she suggested things her track record was such that they knew she was giving them good advice well and they, they knew where so her heart
0: was too that's right exactly
3: yeah. oh. so she did a <clears throat> phenomenal job and I agree with you she was the it was like WWKD during <laughs> the pandemic <laughs> um, so I was at home And I'm the crier in this friendship, so I don't want to cry, but I was scared. Mm -hmm. Uh have a family. Uh I didn't know if I was going to lose my job. had to feed my kids.
2: What was your job at the time?
3: I was working for Renaissance Esmeralda. I was fortunate, and this was a huge emotional thing for our family, that I was one of three that was kept on the team. And I was the least likely, like in the scheme of things, I was the catering salesperson but I had killed all of my goals the year before and I had created relationships and I had a lot of events on the books and such that we ended up having to cancel, like 90 events we had to cancel because of the pandemic. But for whatever reason, I was kept on the team. So I worked from home. But my husband was at Fleming's still. Fleming's ended up closing. Um, The kids were home, you know, with Zoom school and all of things. How could you not be scared? It was crazy. And the thing is, you know, part of the importance of the museum too is kids were the biggest victims of the pandemic as well. They didn't go to birthday parties. They didn't see their grandparents. They didn't travel. They didn't graduate. They didn't, you know, they had to do things that were really hard for kids, like pay attention to a computer screen. I mean, it was awful. And trying to balance that with paying your bills and working from home and all of these things, it was really, really tricky. But whenever I needed information, it was her that I was like, oh, she's on live. I got to watch her real quick in between my (laughs) stuff, you know, because I knew that she was going to have the latest and greatest and most accurate information. So, but it was tough. And being somebody
0: who's so naturally upbeat and effervescent, me? You. Oh, <laughs> Around the family. I mean, w- were you finding that difficult to walk that line at that time?
3: So, I mean, I definitely cried my eyes out with Derek. You know, I mean, he and him too. I mean, we were really, really nervous. It's a, it's a big responsibility to be a parent and a spouse and in charge of your family. I can't even
0: imagine what parents yeah, had to go was, through during it that. it was
3: really, really tough. But with the kids, we had to still say, stay positive, but also stay factual, So we would talk to them about what this means. We would talk to them about the seriousness of COVID. We would talk to them about all of those things so they understood why we can't travel, why we can't see our grandparents. It wasn't because we didn't want to, clearly, but it was because it was for their health, um, for our kids' health you know, why they couldn't see their friends and stuff. They were tough conversations, but we had to try to stay positive and just say our responsibility and our main focus is within these four walls. Our family's health and our family's mental health is of the utmost importance. And whatever happens outside of here, we can't control, but we can control what happens right here. So we did, and we played board games and we went outside and skateboarded in the park and stuff like that. But it was, it was a lot from a different perspective Mm -hmm. than, and hey. she does such a
1: great job. I think you and Derek as parents, they, she, they talk about everything with their kids and try to be really open and help them understand what's happening, not just with the pandemic, which you obviously, you know, did really well with them, but all the time yeah
3: she's a great mom and so when did you take the
0: job at the uh discovery museum
3: so i came on the board like october 2020 and i they were looking for an interim to just kind of flush toilets and pay bills and kind of figure out the sitch um in november 2020 and i said well i'm working from home i live right up the way so i can do that i have time and um and then that's when i took the interim position and then kind of told them you need to hire me full-time because i'll make this happen and that was in was there any
0: chance that the museum was not going to reopen
3: there was talk of that i think there was definitely concern well well thank you for making sure that didn't happen (laughs) (laughs) it's not
1: just me but you're welcome i think (laughs) our our options were because i was on the board at the time and i still am it was do we just do we close what are our options do we just close the museum do we reopen with these exhibits that have really been there far too long? So those that exhibitry that we've had or that we had, that nobody needs no to see there, Sputnik
0: anymore. <laughs> no. <You> know <laughs> <laughs> it was
1: it was at least five to ten years older than it should have been. And so, but I think the spark that Cindy always brings to the table, it was what does our community deserve? Our community deserves to reopen with this reimagined space that's relevant that is gonna make the museum, it used to be one of the top 20 museums in the nation. Mm. Our community deserves that. And so she's had this vision and we were like, all right, Get it, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go.
0: Well, you couldn't have picked a better person.
1: Oh, well, thanks. She, I think she picked us. <laughs> I, I mean, really. <laughs> but um, but that is so telling of, like, how creative she is, what kind of leader she is, what, you know, making sure that vision comes to fruition. Like, there's no one that works harder or believes in it more.
0: And as we came out of that 2020 and early 2021 and you took that job. Things weren't all of a sudden better, right? No. As you took that job, what were the first things that you knew you had to put into place to make sure that place was going to survive?
3: Well, I think that, first of all, we didn't know when we'd be able to reopen. And so I think that was something to take into consideration As we kind of took the opportunity of the time having to be closed to reimagine the museum and then the next thing was fundraising. We needed to build our database of fundraising. Of That's, fundraisers isn't that a blast? It's yeah. It's a real you know it's <laughs> asking a challenge, everybody but it for is. money. It is a blast though. I mean I'm sales girl.
0: You're good at it.
3: So I mean it's kind of my jam. But um, I think that was something and then I think the biggest thing was convincing the community we're doing the right thing. And it's for the long-term, it's to develop community leaders, to give them the opportunity to find career pathways to, like Katie said, experience art and music and science and things that maybe they don't have access to, resources for, or it's just not in the schools. And so I think that was the biggest thing was convincing the community, like we're doing the right thing for all of us.
2: It seems like that is still an ongoing task. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like you've done a great job of getting community buy-in but it's, it's probably a never-ending task for you.
3: It'll be a never-ending task. Fundraising, in particular. Yeah. Or just, yeah, the fundraising, I think, in particular. Just
2: getting people behind the idea of getting the ball rolling to reopen this in this re-envisioned way.
3: Yes. I think that once we're open and people see, like, the proof is in the pudding, right? So when people see and they're like, oh, I get it now.
2: But I think that's what you're up against. It's Mm -hmm. intangible because people can't walk in. and And kids aren't playing with stuff. And there isn't. So, I mean, you can show plans. That's right. Mm -hmm. uh,
0: Other than money, are there any other real obstacles you're dealing with right now?
3: Um, right now, I think so. Okay. I think that's the main one is just the continued fundraising and the element of time. That's Trying right. to hurry the fabricator to get things done um, quickly. But we want everything to be done the right way. That's right. And so it's going to be in March and... That's and so
0: if our listener wants to know, mm-hmm. what's the opening date and how can they help you with funding?
3: The opening date is March 25th, and you can help in a myriad of ways. <laughs> but the easiest way is to go to our website, which is cdmod.org. There are a donate button right at the top. Just click on
2: that donate button. Click it. And Randy, you've been looking for a naming opportunity. I think the Randy Florence Children's
0: Children Discovery, Discovery right. Museum.
1: it got that a good ring. have been great. carrying around that I left countrywide my wallet, money <laughs> car. for a long time. I'll go get it for you. <laughs> go get it
2: <laughs> brandy has back problems because how big his wallet is i mean it's just it's it's that's a impressive. known fact is there
1: the
0: anybody here that doesn't think the highest paid person in the valley is the meteorologist at kbs everyone
2: knows that's not true <laughs> trust me everybody knows it. everybody knows it.
0: so talk a little bit about how your friendship over these last couple of years has helped both of you get through what you've had to get through
1: dang well (laughs) because it's (laughs) obvious in the valley (laughs) dang
0: (laughs) well now i we only have about another 15 minutes oh well well, (laughs)
1: forget it we're (laughs) out of here cliff notes (laughs) um i have to say like we probably talk communicate message every day and we did during the pandemic um we were reading books all the time like we did the FaceTime with the funny filters that's right (laughs) right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we, I think we're both like, um, this is going to sound cheesy, but like personal development junkies. Yeah. We like to read books about getting better and striving for the stars and journaling. We could, Let's both get this journal and write 10 right. things and envision the future. And I mean... Yeah, it's super cheesy, but it's not cheesy. <laughs> I mean, it's oh, here they go. It's not. It's not cheesy. <laughs> and it's when not, did you get married? Brandy
2: yeah. journals every day.
1: But it oh, really—that's like, not an endorsement. Yeah. <laughs> it was a great way to, I think, lean on each other, keep each other in the right headspace, be able to say, like, I'm having a bad day, like I don't know what to do with this, or like trying to get the museum. I need to build this donor, do- donor base. Need the board. I need, you know, um, I think we. Leaned on each other a lot, and it's been
3: hard, but it's also been great. And I think also, uh, Katie's not going to say this, I have to say it for her, but she's a comedian. (gasps) She will tell you now. Wait a minute, who's the funniest? uh, Me totally, Katie. Katie Katie thinks thinks she is.
0: is. Okay, (laughs) Katie thinks she is. You agree that Katie thinks she is. (laughs) Who's the funniest, Cindy?
3: No, Katie is. Okay. Just oh, kidding! Well, I'm really funny. Too. <laughs> she is she really the best funny. Well, we've got another.
0: <laughs> we have another ten minutes, so hopefully, we'll see some evidence of.
3: <gasps> well, you should tell them wow. about. Um, so we're planning to go on a trip to Hawaii. Have just you heard about of you? that? Yeah, just a girl trip.
2: Yeah. Which, did where are you going?
3: Well, she'll tell uh, you. Hawaii. I mean,
1: yeah. the big island. Oh, <laughs>
2: oh, yes. Okay, the big island's great. <laughs> Love the big island. But
1: we were reading up about it. Did you know that they have a rule you're not supposed to laugh above a certain decibel?
2: I did not know that.
0: You guys can't come into the
1: country. <laughs> no, oh, exactly. Yeah, it's actually a law. Um, you know
2: that uh, Hawaii does have an extradition <laughs> treaty with the United States. You can be removed. <laughs> did you? <laughs>
1: So Tell me, you, me about that, Katie. Yes. So <laughs> if you laugh above a certain decibel, you get in trouble. The law is called aloha. Low. Oh. Keep the ha's low. So, see. See. Well,
3: that's so all the I time have we have. The, today?
0: <laughs> Where will the evidence that Katie's the funniest person?
3: Yeah, I thought Katie was the comedian. I'm the patient one. <laughs> You're the patient uh, one. You are, you are the patient. I know, she is the patient one.
2: But you I also look really like supportive. a really good straight man. I think it's really <laughs> supportive of you, Cindy, to tell her that she's Thank the funny you. one, but she's rifling off a low. Like jokes. I
1: said, we support each other. We leave right.
3: each other. That's all part of it. <laughs> it's my job. All right.
0: Long
2: setup.
3: <laughs> the, the Discovery Museum. <laughs> yes.
0: When we walk in Mm -hmm. on the day of opening, what's going to be different from when we walked in the last day it was open?
3: I will be crying. That's for sure. Um, You
0: always cry. I do always cry.
3: I'm a crier. Um, I think I tell people all the time we have the door that rolls open. And I've said this from the beginning. What I can't wait for on the first day is to roll the door open. I want to be there. And that purple wall that was always just purple is going to have this beautiful mural with a hummingbird and sunflowers and all the flora and fauna of the desert. And it's super colorful and looks like a kid's museum. And it just evokes joy right when you walk in. And I think that is the biggest Mm -hmm. difference right when you walk in, is seeing that and and feeling that. feels like you've arrived. Yeah, Yeah. and I think that seeing the kids and families just going, I think it's just going to be... Amazing. It's
0: going to take a while to recover from that, isn't it? Yeah.
3: <laughs> it's going to be a busy day. <laughs> so, Katie,
0: mm-hmm. <clears throat> we're through the pandemic, mm-hmm. mostly. Mm-hmm. We're still dealing with some of the business stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, as we record this, you have opened a new Dave & Buster's mm-hmm. at the river. Mm-hmm. We have the Disney Contino uh, development Cotino Cotino, Cotino, Cotino. Mm-hmm. being uh, building <laughs> I screw up a name at least once every episode Where does Scott White work?
2: You know What's we had the name free of that place? to Disney if you had said that right. Oh. All you had to do was say that. Right. <laughs>
0: um
1: Amazon Fresh. yeah, there's Amazon a lot. Fresh yep. coming
0: through. Mm-hmm. So talk about how you see, I mean, you've got to be a little bit more excited than you were a year and a half ago oh about gosh. the direction yeah. of Rancho Mirage. Talk yeah. about it.
1: You know, I think the whole valley is, it's a vibrant time for business right now. Um, the whole valley is growing. The museum. Um, watching the success of the arena um, and how fun are those firebirds games Mm -hmm. oh my gosh the concerts um there is vibrancy everywhere so it's really exciting to be a part of a chamber of commerce right now and watch the business community really thrive um so cotino will be the largest project in the city's history with 1900 homes and a promenade and i mean all kinds of things Um, The Amazon Fresh, we're told uh, they are committed to the project, that they will open, which is nice. Um, Dave & Buster's is a blast if you've not been yet. I mean... (laughs) The, the, the quick highlight for me was um, you know I did the you know Katie thing go around and try to be the hostess with the mostess and say hi to people and shake hands and uh, eat some food which was great and the staff was lovely and then my husband gave me a little elbow and he's like let's go play that game <laughs> <laughs> and it's a little race car game and we were racing each other and I screamed and hooted and hollered yeah. I mean I was the loudest person I left really like the it's surprising who yeah. won <laughs> <laughs> you know what we played several games he won a few I won a few All right. but that
2: was a good answer uh, see that's me. a good marriage no one's keep it Yeah, But like <laughs> It's just, just, it is what it is. He Everybody probably had to, something
1: different, yeah. He has yeah. a different Oh yeah, so oh, yeah. he's competitive. That. All right. But um, what I realized <laughs> is, like, we don't have anything like that here. It's going to do great. It was so much fun. Just so needed. Another great spot for families to go. Date nights. Girls night out. What up? Guys well, night. That,
2: that was one of the things that uh, Dave & Buster's is one of those that I think even, certainly pre-pandemic, but several years ago, the demographics of the valley just didn't fit. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, things have changed a lot. I yeah. mean, a lot of people moved to the valley.
1: Yeah. Yes. You know,
2: fleeing coastal yes. areas, yes. you're looking for space, looking for places for their kids to right. grow up that were not inner cities.
1: And to that point, we had so many folks from L.A. come and and join the Chamber and build their businesses here. I thought, are these folks going to like, are we going to mesh with them? How is this going to work? Are they going to fit in? And it's been lovely. They've been just a great addition and and really have added a lot of vibrancy.
2: What's been the biggest challenge for you at the Chamber post-pandemic? I mean, we are seeing, obviously... I mean, these are big projects. GoTino is yeah, a Disney huge. project. David Buster's is a big project. Talk a little bit about the smaller businesses because they were significantly impacted.
1: Yeah, for small businesses, you know, um, staffing right has been an issue, making sure they can find employees. But it sounds like that's changing. I'm starting to hear we're getting now multiple applications from qualified um, employees. Um, Just making sure, and then we're kind of back to the usual, make sure your marketing is on point. Are you using AI, do you know how to use it? So right now we're just continuing to keep informing, education, um, keeping them up to speed on what they need to know on a regular basis but for the most part it feels like they feel kind of back to normal if you will whatever that new normal is Um, a little worried about what the economy might look like um, moving forward you know the R word is always talked about um, but I feel like people are in such a good place right now We're we're preparing we're bracing but no one is frozen everyone is moving Um, and for the most part when I talk to folks people are doing pretty well
0: and unlike the rest of the world we're getting ready to move into our season
1: Exactly. <laughs> so
0: things are starting to get exciting. Yeah, in, in yeah.
1: fact, uh, you know, she called the other day and wanted to talk about you know the economy and going into season. And really, for the most part, people are excited and ready. And uh, again, the staffing can be a little bit tricky, but uh, we've definitely turned a corner there.
2: And we're seeing record numbers of tourism,
1: mm-hmm. I and mean, it's
2: really pretty remarkable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot
1: of that is what you said too folks maybe in in busier more concentrated areas Orange County or San Diego or LA wanting to come out here and just have space and be in the open and enjoy our hiking trails. So it's 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 all come together really well. We're we're really lucky to be in this desert. You know the sentiment I started with, uh not wanting to be here, I really quickly realized some people save their whole lives just to retire here and we're here now, and it's definitely a gem. I'll be here forever. I don't ever want to Katie, leave.
0: I went through the same thing. The first two years, I yes. wasn't sure I was going to stay, and now I don't know how I'm going to leave. That's right. you know, unless the dirt keeps settling in here. <laughs> uh, but I don't know how I'm going to leave. Listen, we're going to wrap up here, but I personally, I have to thank both of you ladies. My time at the Chamber of Commerce, <laughs> would have been a lot more difficult if i had not had the support from the two of you while i was doing that thank you. the friendship that we, we've developed in my well you and i've known each other now since about yeah. 2013 that's right um yeah. the friendship that we've developed had been really important to me so thank both of you and, and for everybody in this valley thank you for the voices that you have been and the way you've kept everything kind of positive when it would have been really easy to go the other direction
1: and thank you guys for, you know, having something like this where you're really diving in and sharing, like, who people are and what makes them tick. I mean, all these great stories, it, I think they all have a ripple effect in our community. Well, so.
0: we were sitting in a bar every day, and the only difference is this they bar. stuck a microphone in front <laughs> of us. <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. It was the same conversation we were having over there.
1: <laughs> and no, by I the way, this is, like, the coolest bar. Isn't this it awesome? It is it is the the it's yeah. the
2: coolest bar. It's yeah. as great as a host, that we appreciate it. And I will say this... Uh, One of the nice things about having... I've known both of you. uh, Mm -hmm. I think I met you in my first few months here in the desert, Katie. Uh, But you've both been guests on I in the Desert. know you guys pretty well. But every time we have a podcast with people that I think I know, I get to know you a lot Mm -hmm. better. And it's really a pleasure to have you both on.
1: Well, and if I can just even tell you, like, watching you in the community, MC all the events, like, show up for nonprofits like that and... You know, a lot of times they don't have someone who's a professional speaker up there doing that work, and it really, really matters. I mean, it, we, She's buttering you up for the she museum. Yeah. Oh. So uh, the Rammies are coming up. <laughs> All
2: right. And I want to tell you, if you don't ask me, I'm going to ask because I missed the Rammies. I had to be out of town. That's right. You didn't invite me to do that.
1: Uh, we'll move uh, the date for you. I will,
2: you just tell me the date, and I'm going to circle it and hold it because the Ramys, I've done that event before, and you've reimagined it, and it's better than ever, and I really want to be a part of it. Well, okay.
0: I, I will tell you also what I've discovered is and how important. I promise important.
2: Randy will not be my plus one.
0: I <laughs> How important. You're going to feel like crap after I finish this. How important he is to this community. It, it has, it's is—it's meant a lot to me to be around him as we've gone through all of this. Do not ever walk through the arena with this guy if you have to get to your seat oh. within just a couple yeah. of minutes. Because it's going to take you 45 minutes yeah. to get through there. Aww. That's just because I
2: stop at all of the bars. It's yeah, yeah. not because people are talking to me.
0: Cindy, Katie, this meant the world to us that you were here today. And, and the fact that you did it on short notice. Thank you so much for helping us out. You're two of the stars for the. Valley, and it means a lot to us that you were here.
3: Thank you. Thanks for having us. Really important.
2: We look forward to the grand reopening of the Children's Discovery. March 25th.
1: March 25th. Donate at cdmod.org. Please help us get there. Help (laughs) us get there.
2: And, of course, uh, the chamber stands ready to help any business person in the Valley. Anybody. You guys are there as a tremendous resource. We appreciate you both.
1: Thank
2: you. My thanks to Randy Florence. I'm glad you're back. Uh, I'm,
0: I'm so glad you're healthy and alive.
2: Me too. Me, yeah. me too. My wife was paying up my life insurance. Price. I only had eight
0: or nine other people to consider for this spot.
2: <laughs> I only have one other person. <laughs> and he starts next week. No, I'm kidding. I'm absolutely kidding. John McMullen, our producer, and so many more hats that he wears. Thank you very much, sir. And we appreciate you all listening to Big Conversations, Little Bar. We'll drop a new episode real soon. Stay tuned.
0: Thank you for joining us for Big Conversations Little Bar with Patrick Evans and Randy Florence. Hear our entire library of episodes from BigConversationsLittleBar.com or most major podcast portals. This podcast is a production of the Mutual Broadcasting System.